everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name is Richard. I'll be your host for April. Now, um, there's issues and there's problems in the garden. Um, it's not to do with kind of like your usual fare. It's not because your grass is too long and it needs cut or maybe you've got a couple of weeds. There's potentially an infestation of animals um, and you need to get it sorted out. And and there's only one thing to do is to maybe get an expert in to help us sort it out. So joining me from Tidbit Games, I've got Dylan McCusker, and he is going to tell me all about his game, which is currently on Kickstarter, which is called Crumbs, which is all about animals in a garden. <laughs> so there you go. So hello. Hello, Dylan. Hope you're doing well. Hello, Richard. I'm doing fine. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, Kickstarter's live. It's launched. It's at the time of us chatting. It's about a third of the way there already, which is pretty is. good going because you're um, your first time creator, aren't you? I am starting from scratch. <laughs> so what's um? I mean, what's kind of mood like in camp at the moment just now? How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling pretty confident, hopefully. Uh, pretty hopeful, I would say, actually. Uh, I, I don't really know how to how to look into the future and project uh, it, whether it's going to be successful or not based mm. on how it's looked, just because, you know, this is all so new to me. Yeah. Um, so I can only say, based on the, all the research I've done, that it's looking hopeful, but I have to definitely keep working as hard as I can for, <laughs> for the next 19 days. Yeah, you have to continue to kind of... Um make noise. I mean, I don't think Kickstarter hasn't been a press the button and sit back for a little while now, but um, I guess um, what we like to do on the show, I guess there's two things we should do. We should say hello to all the lovely people out there who have joined us. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, The reason that we do this is quite simply, um, it's kind of like Star Trek. It's an ongoing mission. I'm trying to basically speak to as many people as there are that are involved in the the uh, tabletop and board game industry, and Dylan was uh, lovely enough to get in contact when he wanted us to, to have a chat about um, about crumbs. And the other reason that we do this is because I'm intrigued to know about all these little wooden pieces and this little wooden fence you've got going on, and I want to find out a little bit more. Um, but we do want to find out a little bit more kind of like about yourself so you want you want to maybe furnish us do you want to go into the shed of the past and bring out the lawn the lawnmower of the present and and then we can have a little chat about the i guess the trimming of the future do you want to tell us a little bit about how you kind of got 
into the kind of the tabletop hobby to kind of begin with, really. Sure. And also, I'm very impressed with all of your uh, lawn-related uh, puns that you've got. I look forward to hearing I, the rest of them. <laughs> I have got, um, I have got a list. I did actually also do um, the um, garden, but don't worry, I will be weeding out some of the weaker ones. So, um, <laughs> oh, okay. it'll be, it'll be fine. There'll be no grass growing on me. Um, but <laughs> and yeah, stop me. Just start talking and talk just over keep me. On coming. <laughs> just yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess, um, I mean, when I was a kid, I was the youngest of, or I am the youngest of four siblings, uh, so I always remember trying to get them to play board games with me very unsuccessfully, so, um, I do remember very clearly also playing Risk on Facebook back when games used to be a thing on Facebook all the time. I remember that. I believe it was called Attack, because uh, it, it couldn't officially be called Risk. Um, but that that sucked up hours and hours of my time. You're taking me back. I remember Bejeweled on Facebook <laughs> yep. before it kind of had that those horrific ads. And um, also something, I think it was usually Farmville or Cityville. Mm-hmm. And they always used to be browser-based. And those were the days. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of disappeared and went to mobile. You're kind of... I'm caught in a haze of nostalgia. Um, yeah, but I mean, so you start, did you stay digital then? I mean, because of the kind of the current, the kind of the situation with your, let's face it, quite horrific siblings if they refuse to play games with you. Well, <laughs> uh, no, not quite. Once I got to college, and there's, of course, you know, so many people surrounding me who are all bored and looking for things to do uh sort of opened up the doors i i uh i started to learn about magic the gathering when i was a freshman or sophomore in college um but my i would say the first the sort of uh epiphany uh, i had that i i realized that there was whole this whole other world of gaming that i had never even thought of uh i was visiting a friend mark finger hut in uh brooklyn new york mm-hmm and we played Dominion. Oh, okay. And I just, I had never seen anything like Dominion. It seems like looking back on it now, it seems so simple. But like from somebody who had only played like Monopoly and Risk and other sort of more basic, simple games like that, I just had never, the, the whole like deck building mechanic really sort of triggered something in me and like inspired me just so it's games it's just finding out games like that yeah they even exist that you kind of um that is kind of like was is that actually how how it can be i didn't realize it could kind of be like that so games like dominion um yeah i mean if you've not played it for the first time it's like well what do you do well you gather up these cards okay so am i looking for pairs Am I looking for a run of cards here? I mean, where's the numbers? I can't see the numbers in the corners. How are we ever meant to kind of win? Are we playing for money? Are we just playing for fun? And folk are looking at you, shaking their head and saying, um, you're just collecting the cards and then you're kind of building a deck. Oh, I can build a house if you want. It's like, no, that's not the type of of game. Was that, is that what kind of got you in, in the bug? Did that lead you to kind of down the path to say, well... I've got this, you know, I've played this. What else 
is kind of out there. Totally. I think I think I went home and like one of the very first uh, hobby games I bought was probably Dominion to show everybody, like, look at this thing that I didn't know existed. Uh, and then it just sort of grew from there. And what was the, well, I mean, what was the, did you go down the route of your Catans of the world and stuff like that? Or did you stay within the kind of the, I guess the kind of, did you look for other deck builders then? You know, actually it's, it's funny because I've, I had definitely played Catan before that. But it just something didn't click because Catan was still sort of the pieces on a board moving around a map. So um, it didn't like impress me as much. Mm -hmm. It was clean and neat and it worked like very crisply, but it just didn't have that same like aha moment. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with Catan is Catan's down to the your, um, your player experience as in who else you play with. Because a key part of that game is kind of people kind of trading back and forward in order to kind of get their stuff. That if you play with a group who are kind of quite conniving and don't want to do that, then you're just down to the luck of the dice. And that can make it a really kind of kind of dry, dry game indeed in terms of excitement and fun, you know, which is kind of what games mm-hmm. game should be. Um, I mean... Have you continued then to kind of gain, to kind of um, build up a collection then? Oh yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably compared to some of your previous guests, I don't have as impressive of a collection. But to you know, general friends and family who walk into my apartment and see, uh, I probably have somewhere around fifty games. Look, I've got fifty games as well. You know, yeah. I think um, you know if you're getting into the the hundreds of games. My question is, where are you going to store them? And secondly, <laughs> is have you played all of them as well? Because I know, I know, I mean, you know, trimming down is a is an art form in it of itself. Yes, learning how to uh, cut out the the un the weeds. <laughs> are you bringing back gardening puns again? Absolutely. Think, let's let's I, keep it going. <laughs> I think you know, just pruning the collection. Um, you know, getting rid Ooh. of the dead wood. You know, looking at the new kind of budding games that you kind of want to play. And, um, I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of people who, thanks to the joy of Kickstarter, might not consciously be going out and getting, making the decision to go out and, and buy a game. But for whatever reason, they're getting a knock at the door and somebody's har- handing them over a parcel kind of every month through stuff that's been mm-hmm. kind of fulfilled. And then it's a question of, you know, how quickly... How quickly can you um, can you kind of get it to the table? Um, out the ones that you have, is there any that you kind of your are the ones that your go to games that you know if you've got friends round or you know if you're just you know just fancy getting something to the table one night? Is there anything that you would get from get down from the shelf again and again and again? Um, I mean the ones I see as like the most like they're not my favorite but they're definitely like maybe the most useful or functional of my collection mm-hmm. are uh maybe like dixit oh yeah and anomia mm-hmm. they're just so they're so easy to teach i could teach them in like 30 seconds and people just get it uh and then they're they're not like overbearing yeah yeah uh although i would say anomia does tire people out like after a few rounds of anomia people are just they're red mm-hmm. they're red faced <laughs> steaming but uh yeah, those are a couple of the um, 
what about the ones that you would want yourself if you know if you could play out of your collection? What are the ones that you know if you could just like say, right, I'm going to play this, and there's going to be people there that are willing to play play the game with you? What um what would you kind of like if you were treating yourself? You know, if you've had a hard day at work and you've come home, you've run yourself a bath, you got relaxed, got some music on in the background, you know, have a lovely dinner, and then say, I'm going to treat myself to a little board game. What game would you pick out of the collection to get to play on the table? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I feel like at the moment that's going to be Dead of Winter. I bought that like three years ago and only just started playing it like a couple months ago. But it's so easy to like just get back on the table. Yeah. Sure, there's a lot of pieces and there's a lot of like setup, but like it plays so smoothly and the the mechanics and theme are just so sort of in sync yes that, uh it's it's not too like uh and it's it's also got that like sort of betrayal um mechanics going on but not not to a degree that's stressful it's sort of everybody's working together having a having a good go killing some zombies yeah it, it brings um it's one of my favorites personally so for me, I mean, you know, it's it's the same with yourself. It doesn't get to the table um, an awful lot because if you're teaching new people and just putting out all the components, it's a fairly it's a fairly daunting game. Once you've laid out all the locations, once you've laid out all the cards, and all, once you've laid out kind of like the the thirty or so zombie standees, the individual stamps uh, standees, the characters, all the all the chits and all the kind of the crossroads cards. I mean, when you've got it on a table, it's a, it takes up a fair, a kind of a fair whack. But in terms of um, playing it and the mechanics, it's once somebody gets, it's very very easy to see somebody do that kind of that flick over where they go from kind of. I'm needing to remember what I should be playing or how I should be playing to, oh, I get this and this is what I should do. And it's also, um, it's a fairly, um, I don't know if you found this, but it's a game that's kind of open to discussion so that what somebody will say is, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here. And they almost like narrate their kind of their turn all the way through in order to kind of, I guess, kind of make sure that everybody's kind of, kind of working working together um mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of fun i mean are you is it something you're looking to get to the table as often as possible is this kind of like the mm, need to get that played more yeah i i guess it just it really pleasantly surprised me because i'm mm-hmm. i'm so sick of zombie stuff just <laughs> in general yeah but i heard i heard such good things about it so i it was sort of like uh it was tough for me to buy you know, because I just didn't want to give in to the whole zombie fad that's been going on for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but And then even when I did buy it, it took me two years to get to playing it. But once I played it, I was just like, it makes sense, all of the all of the good the good things people had to say about it. Have you looked at the expansions at all, Dylan? You know, your, um, the Long Night and the, I think there's the Warring, the Warring kind of factions expansion as well. I've I've looked at them, but it hasn't made it to the table enough to justify an expansion. Mm-hmm. I think I've only bought expansions to maybe three games out of my collection ever. All right, okay. See, I'm a, I'm I'm guilty of um, not going all in on something, but if um, 
if something's a decent price because I usually am quite um, I'm quite choosy with sometimes with what I buy and if there's a good expansion going at the same time so sometimes pick it up kind of depending mm-hmm. on the price but again you've got to kind of I think you've got to know that you're going to get it to the table in order I guess to justify the kind of the the value um, along those lines like uh, as far as getting a good value I uh, recently heard that Arkham, or Arkham Horror just came out with a third edition um, and that's been one of my like favorite games that I've never owned um, so I looked up the second edition online and found a really good because I, I figured the second edition is gonna you know skyrocket in price pretty soon uh, as it's unavailable so I was able to pick up Arkham Horror and the expansion for it for $35 that's nothing yeah that's uh... so hopefully that'll make it to the table but <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did you look at um did you have a look at plaid hat's kind of um i guess semi kind of follow-up to dead of winter i think it was was it gen was it gen seven or something i can't remember off the top of my head but it was using the crossroad system did you did you have a look at that it was kind of like set in space on the spaceship with the same kind of crossroad system in place as well um, I I had noticed it before, mm-hmm. and I never I never looked into it until playing Dead of Winter, and I saw the crossroads thing. Yeah, and that was like I realized, oh, they're using the same like storytelling card system, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Um. So I haven't had the chance to play it, um. But it's definitely something I want to look into based on my experiences with Dead of Winter. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you um anything else you kind of cover in you at the moment you'd like to kind of get added to the collection? Um. Well, I am a huge fan of Dune, and have <laughs> wanted to have the game for so long. I did some research, found Rex, uh, bought Rex, and then I've played it once. And now they've just announced that they're going to be reprinting Dune, of course. So I'll <laughs> essentially have two copies of the same game. But, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had um, I had Rex, and I um. I sold it, um, and that wasn't because of Rex. It was just because of one of these things. I was kind of looking at games that um, I was likely to play or maybe not likely to play again. And mm-hmm. I think we played played Rex one night, and um, it caused a bit of tension <laughs> in the group <laughs> um, because we were, I think we were reaching the end, and somebody refused to kind of finish their turn because they knew they were about to lose so it was kind of like finish your turn oh I'm just going to do this it's like no no finish your turn it's kind of like war games you know turn your key sir turn your key because mm-hmm. you, know, you know it's all going to finish off so I'm interested to see I'm interested to see if um, if they play around with the mechanics of it if yeah. they decide because it was 79 um, so I was a mere slip of a lad and yes, I am that old. Um, I was actually five when June came out. Um, I should have asked for it for Christmas, really, if I'd known not known then what I know now. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see what they do with the um, with the the mechanics. I mean, um, with the collection that you've had, with you doing the design side of stuff, did you ever go in and kind of house rule stuff or? 
use the games that you had and make slight changes to the rules or, you know, kind of riff off the back of games that you had in order to make your own kind of creations? I think actually the few the few games I've done that with was um Heroescape. Oh yeah, yeah. I made custom armies with like various minis and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, just it fits so well into that universe of just like all these different random franchises colliding mm-hmm. uh, that it was always a fun thing to include that and maybe I looked into uh, custom races for Twilight Imperium as well. Wow, that's um... I never I never successfully incorporated any. I just I just dreamed about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's going to be a pretty big undertaking if you did decide to introduce that because as far as I'm aware it's um, Twilight Imperium's incredibly crunchy you know mm-hmm. uh, you know it's kind of like a good fiber diet um in terms of how it kind of and kind of how, how it kind of plays out um have you always had a kind of creative side to you I mean I know that you're kind of in the creative industries um yourself as a as a as a job job so have you always been kind of quite kind of creative quite dabbling away in the background doing things like that uh yeah i would say so um i was in art classes all throughout like middle and art school mm-hmm. um i went to an art college for illustration all right um, okay yeah um and i think i think what appeals to me about like board game design which is sort of like a different creative process but still a creative process is just it has so many components to it not literally like pieces components but actual like um processes that are required to make a complete product yeah yeah um and i really enjoy like i mean i love drawing and illustrating but like the that coupled with you know sort of project managing Mm -hmm. um and game mechanic design and all these other aspects that are required uh is almost more fulfilling to me i feel like so what kind of um what were your first kind of designs then what kind of stuff did you kind of come up with at the beginning i mean was is was uh, was crumbs the first and only love that you had or was there other kind of cardboard that you flirted with um, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a good question. Uh, no, no, that was a <laughs> great I, question. But I'm running with it. Uh, Crumbs was not my first child, but uh, certainly my most complete. I feel like, and maybe mm. marketable. Um, All right. However, the the first game I ever um, I ever dabbled with creating from start to finish was uh, Beasts, Bards, and a Bottle of Whoop Ass. Which was uh, <laughs> tell um, me more. Yeah, it's a long, convoluted title, but uh, it was sort of a, a. So I studied abroad in Edinburgh. Yeah, and when I was there, um, our final project at uh, the Edinburgh College of Art was to do a team project. There wasn't really any boundaries other than you had to make something with a group of people, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and. You know, uh, some of the people there were pretty big uh, board game enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, other other people there were pretty big fantasy comic book enthusiasts. Yeah. So um, we combined forces and 
Uh, they sort of tasked me with the actual gameplay mm, developing. Uh, they're like, you're you're really into board games. How about you do this part of it? And um, <laughs> basically, Beast Bards and a Bottle of Whoop-Ass uh, was sort of a, I wouldn't say, not raunchy. Definitely not raunchy, but more like a uh, goofy. So you're saying that, but that automatically has me thinking <laughs> that it was uh, a bit raunchy. I mean, this is, you know, it's like when somebody says, I don't mean to cause offense, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, you've got bad um, hair kind of thing, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it was it Edinburgh University you went to then. The Edinburgh College of Art, which is uh, oh right, part okay, of Edinburgh yeah, University. Yep. So were you were you based in the grass market, that kind of area, or were you out at TV? It? Um, I was like right across from the meadows. I don't can't right, quite recall where. Yeah, no, no, I know we. Exactly. Yeah, it's I know been what that is. Yeah, yeah, six years, but <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I used to. Well, I, I used to stay time. in Edinburgh. It was one of my favorite memories. I used to stay in Edinburgh, so I know exactly. If you say exactly where you were, I know exactly where the meadows are. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know where Pollock Halls is? Yes. Yep. No, exactly. Yeah, so I, uh, me and all the other exchange students were all sort of piled up in Pollock Halls together in <laughs> yeah. like, the exchange student area. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which wasn't your... quite my favorite because I want to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't keep segregated. your ring fenced and the kind of arranged, <laughs> you know, just in case you've got diseases and. You know, in case you bring culture, because we've got enough culture as it is in Edinburgh. We don't mm-hmm. need any of your American culture over here. Thank you very much, Mr. McCusker. <laughs> um, but that must have been fun, though. No, definitely. I th- I would say it was, like, probably the best decision I made while I was in college was mm. to study abroad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also because it just, you know, without it, I may not have dabbled in uh, game design. So you... You were doing the gameplay development. Um, mm-hmm. Did you end up with a finished product then? Or did it only get kind of get so far for the project itself? Yeah, uh, I'd say we ended up with a very, very clunky finished product. It looked nice because, you know, a bunch of uh, illustration students, you know, sort of final thesis work for that year. Mm-hmm. Um, it played, it plays okay. <laughs> uh and I do plan on eventually going back and taking a look and streamlining it, but um, so I guess I guess it didn't really have as much of a purpose. And now looking back on it, I sort of can see that purpose, and we'll need to like streamline the game to fit that goal uh, more than just sort of a random compilation of mechanics that sort of work together. <laughs> do you still do you still have it then? I mean, do you still have a copy of the game? I do. Yep. Do you? Did you not think about kind of redeveloping it? And then, I mean, you mentioned that you're thinking about it, but I mean, where, where, I mean, where do you go from? How do you get crumbs in? I mean, where does crumbs come from? Because it seems that seems to be a completely different style of game. I mean, did you have an epiphany? Were you out in the garden? Do you dress up as a bird? I mean, you know, we need to know. Well, um, so at coming back uh, from Edinburgh to the United States in my final year of college, um, I had started the board game club at college, which we called the Tabletop Cardboard Club. And me and my friend Jackson Burner were 
talking about games. We sort of we were the you know heads of this club, and nobody had showed up that night, so uh, <laughs> we were just sort of tossing ideas back and forth. And um, he was like, "You know, I really want to make a game about pigeons. I don't know something about <laughs> just sort of out of the blue." And I, I sort of agreed with him because you know pigeons are very like yeah they're so they're so run of the mill. Yeah. So nobody nobody actively likes pigeons. Yeah. But they're everywhere. And there's they're kind of like the every man's bird, uh, if you will. And so I was like, Yeah, no, that's great, that's great. And he was like, um, maybe messenger pigeons or something. And I was like, Ooh, that could work. That could what about pigeons fighting over breadcrumbs? Um perhaps in my mind, because uh on the way home from Edinburgh, quick stop in Venice and uh <laughs> Quick stop in Venice. It's no, <laughs> it's the wrong direction. Oh, I'd right. like to point out, right? You may have gone to, you know, university a major as art, but you certainly didn't study geography. You didn't no, go, definitely. you didn't go right to go back to America unless you're going via like Europe, and then through Russia and China, and then across mm. the other side past Japan until you're heading on to America that way. You went the wrong way, son. You should have turned left instead of turning right. Venus. Um, <laughs> oh, that's I forgot where it was. Uh, but yeah, it's my fault. In Venice. There was like was, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, there was just I just remember, specifically remember birds everywhere and like uh, these dudes with gigantic bags of bird seed, throwing them in giant piles to like encourage the pigeons. Um, so perhaps it was fresh in my mind, and I was like, ah, pigeons fighting over breadcrumbs. And then we were just like, well, maybe not just restricted to pigeons. Let's let's get any like sort of like park animal that's commonly being fed by humans. It's probably not supposed to be fed by humans. <laughs> uh, and then we pretty quickly just assigned them, maybe not specific abilities, but we're like, oh, I don't know, squirrels. What are they? They're kind of like fast and they run up trees. Maybe they're like they steal shit. <laughs> and then, uh, this sounds like know. a real brainstorming session where somebody kind of maybe spiked your drinks. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. you'd like, you know, it's like, shall we just stop at the one bag of M&M's? It's like, nah, man, just open them all. Open them all and just bring me the blue ones. You know, and just let, <laughs> let's go crazy here. And you're just sitting there kind of in some kind of sugar days and you're like, squirrels. And everyone's like, what? Squirrels, man. They're fast, aren't they? Well, what are you saying? Yeah, they are. Of course they are. A game with squirrels. Okay. What else is fast? <laughs> Pigeons. Okay. That's... And that's where it kind of went from. Uh-huh. That's not dissimilar to what uh, somebody somebody on Reddit said that the, the idea sounded like something hatched over 2 a.m. at uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. And obviously we're being arrested for that really bad analogy. So that's <laughs> that's kind of good. Um, oh, did you hear that siren? I did. I did. Oh. And believe me, that's staying in. <laughs> otherwise it ruins the joke. Um, but no, I mean, kind of going forward so that you kind of, you had the base idea, but how many kind of iterations of the game did you go through before you kind of like the, had the the kind of the final idea, I would say I don't know. It it's been in development, so to say, uh, so to speak, for three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think we both sort of latched, we had, a, you know, a million ideas, but we both sort of latched onto this idea just because it seemed like such an accessible theme. I mean, in all honesty, in terms of the theme, I mean, most people when they're spitballing kind of ideas, they kind of say, well, it's space. Okay, okay. But it's kind of like orcs. But it's not. They're pigs. Space orcs. <laughs> space pig orcs. Or they say, or it's... Or it could be an apocalypse. What kind of apocalypse? Well, we could have zombies. Yeah, we could We could do that. Or it's dystopian mm-hmm. nightmare future. So for somebody to say, it's a garden, that's fresh. No, exactly. That's like, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love sci-fi. Like I mentioned earlier, I love Dune. Mm-hmm. I love fantasy and all that stuff. And some of my favorite games, my favorite game of all time, Twilight Imperium. Mm-hmm. It's like super thick thick with two c's uh sci-fi mm-hmm. um but i think we just liked the idea of sort of making a game that was the opposite of that something that's like super normal um and we've we just like toss back a bunch of ideas most of which haven't been quite worked on yet um but are sort of in the, on the back burner to be to be looked into once this whole kickstarter campaign is done uh, but other sort of like really everyday ideas, uh, like. But they, um, but they say that about um, a lot of the, the most some of the the kind of the best out of the way films. I mean, that some of the best horror films out there are based around kind of ordinary circumstances. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of kind of like the. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not being not being funny, but one of my favorite comedies. Um, of all time, um, there's a couple which is one of them's Hot Fuzz and the other one's Shaun of the Dead. Now, while there's kind of bigger events going around them, they are based around kind of normal kind of humdrum situations, so you mm-hmm. kind of get that familiarity. And then it's usually something different than somebody trying to do the kind of the next big huge, you know, space opera. You know, there's nothing. You know, there's nothing kind of wrong wrong with that. Um, as I say, is the is what you started off with. I mean, you've now. I mean, looking at the campaign. I mean, you've got a fair number of different maps, but then you've got obviously your different kind of animals, and then you've got kind of like the, the kind of the fence and stuff like that. I mean, was this all? Mm-hmm. Was this? I mean, how did this kind of come around? I mean, because it's a fairly, that's a strike. This is the other thing. It's a, for something that you're saying, like you know, it's quite quite simple. It's a fairly striking looking piece of art to kind of be sitting on the table. That I could imagine if you were demoing it at a convention or a board game store, that that people would actually kind of walk up and and kind of you say, well, what what is this? You know, tell me more about it. Um. Yeah. So. I guess as we were, you know, spitballing at 2 a.m. at Taco Bell about these ideas, um, we were trying to figure out like, well, how do, how do these breadcrumbs appear sort of, how do they, uh, how are they incorporated into the game? Um, so then dropping was just the most obvious, I guess. Um, so I guess we sort of built the other mechanics around that just because it seemed to be the most fitting. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're dropping anything from any reasonable height, um, they're going to bounce off the board. <laughs> yeah. So the first 
several iterations of this game actually took place in the board game lid um and that was the initial idea was like you take the game out of the box mm-hmm. and you lift the lid off and then you just pick which map you want and you put it in the top of the uh the box lid and um and then you just play directly inside the lid which seemed like a nice like compact uh tight quartered fight uh mm-hmm. and it worked quite well um, but ultimately, after so many play tests, it just was a little bit too obscuring. It was too hard to see. Yeah. Um, and so my girlfriend, Acacia, actually had the idea of just, you know what? Let's just make the fence. Because I, I, had, I had had like a, an image of a fence around, um, sort of on the printed on the inside of the game box. And I, uh, to sort of give that idea. And then I was playing around with the idea of, oh, maybe we make the the lid like clear plastic except there's the printed fence so it gives that sort of thing yeah um but that's a lot of money to do that yeah it's a lot of money for sort of the same thing as i get with the actual fences so she was just like Mm -hmm. you know let's let's just do the fence because it'll make the it'll make the gameplay so much smoother people can see and it'll like have a nice presence um and so after that i shopped around and maybe like five different hobby train shops desperately looking for like model fences yeah um that would fit the board and i bought a couple and they didn't quite fit and then uh i got fed up and i bought a 3d printer so uh that's how i made those (laughs) um what's reception been like in terms of the gameplay i mean i I take it of you did you take it out to kind of play test at the local cons and you know, the local stores and things like that. Yeah. So, um, are you familiar with PAX East? Yes. Yeah. So I just demoed it at PAX East. So I've been, uh, this past weekend. So I've been (laughs) teaching and demoing crumbs for eight hours a day for the last four days. Uh, (laughs) but the reception has been fantastic. Actually. I think, um, people, like you said, people walk by and they just notice it. Yeah, and it gets them a little bit interested. And if we have an open spot, then they try it out. Um, as far as gameplay, I think people really enjoy it. It's it's great for like, it's totally random at points. Like the the crumb drop is ultimately the point distribution, and yeah. that can be random. Yeah, uh, what people are fight people are fighting over sort of the. Um, higher chance so as you take over sections of the board um, and reinforce your spaces uh, like in a normal area control game you're increasing your chances of getting more points yeah yeah um, no is it, is it like an area control game then basically are you kind of fighting for control then by controlling certain areas it gives you the the kind of the, the potential chance of getting kind of more crumbs for your particular faction that's exactly yep um so the there's four different maps but they've each got um a bunch of different spaces and each space has a value associated with it mm-hmm. and that value sort of t- determines the value of the space f- when it comes to game points because uh when crumbs fall into the map they're multiplied by the uh by the value of the space all right okay so um so in that sense um and you'll see you'll see dice on the board too. Those are uh, the same thing as the printed values on the spaces, but those are change dynamic. They can change over the course of the game. 
Um, so yeah, you're, it's an area control game where you're taking armies of critters and you're fighting over spaces on the map because you're trying to take over the most surface area, but you're also trying to sort of balance that with taking over um, the highest valued spaces. And does that then affect the kind of the scoring as you play? So as the the areas are worth kind of like double crumbs, so you kind of score based on that. And then is there is there ways to kind of mitigate that? Do you have like cards you can play in order to increase the area that you're in if you happen to be in a worse kind of area or that allows you to make it easier for you to, to con- take control over a much mm-hmm. more lucrative area? Yeah, so there's there's a few sort of mechanics involved that uh, that help that where each animal's got its own unique powers and abilities mm-hmm. um, that are quite different. Everybody's got the same ultimate goal to win, which is so it's not asymmetric as far as your winning condition, but yeah. it is as far as your strategy to get to the winning condition. Right. Okay. Um, and so they each animal can use their own special abilities to sort of. Uh, develop a unique strategy to take over the most spaces and ultimately win. Um, There's also the daily buzz cards, which are drawn every turn, not every round. Um, So in a four-player game, that would be four cards being drawn once every turn. Um, And these daily buzz cards are sort of, they're like little newspapers, actually, and they they represent the goings-on in the park that day. Uh, and they have a pretty they can have pretty major effects and help both sides or just sort of create challenges for the players to adapt to so uh, i take it as as um, when you were approaching the kickstarter were you keeping an open mind in terms of the kind of the rules were you still kind of tinkering away with the, with the rules in the background or when you kind of took it to kickstarter were you kind of like well this is this developed, this is this ready to go, and we're not going to kind of play around with anything else. You know, that's it. Draw a line under it. Get it ready for a Kickstarter, and let's see what we let's see what happens. Um, no, I would say the first the first option option A. Um, I I think there's always room for improvement in games. It's such a like I said before, there's so many different aspects to creating a game mm-hmm. that I don't think any one of those is ever going to be absolutely perfect. And I think that's why games like Arkham Horror on their third edition and Twilight Imperium is on its fourth edition, because like even a game as finished and polished as the first edition of those games eventually is going to need some updating after thousands and thousands of you know, people playing a game is ultimately going to become a play test because they're going to have their feedback to you know the the audience is always right sort of thing well yeah i mean you've also got um you've got new mechanics and new ways of doing things as well i mean one mm-hmm. of the things that um i i see a lot of games kind of taking advantage of is the ability to use use a phone app you know i've seen that used with like descent i've seen it used with um some of the star wars games you know i've seen it used with a few things and i think um I'm going to pretend like an idiot. I think it's, um, I think it is maybe Arkham Horror, um, that has the kind of the app which you can use in gameplay as well. Or I'm, you know, and um, one of them, you know, um, again, it's not. I think it's Fantasy Flight game that's using an app in order to, um, in order to kind of enrich the kind of experience. So I think uh, 
um, additions change and they want to change the games and, you know, correct rules. I mean, it's not like a video game where you just release a patch. You know, sometimes if, if something you've got to make some fundamental changes, um, you need to release kind of a, a kind of a new edition. Um, in terms of marketing the game, because this is your first game, um, you know, to hit Kickstarter, um, what's that been like in terms of having to deal with kind of like building an audience and kind of engaging with people and things like that? Well, it's been incredibly busy and exhausting. Mm. Um, but definitely fruitful, I would say. Uh, I sort of started from scratch, um, not having any other, you know, games released on Kickstarter. And I, I was sort of uh, between should I or should I not do Crumbs as the first game I try and make on Kickstarter just because there's so many components involved and those fences uh, and the way they like fit into slots on the board are just sort of make it expensive to create. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my funding goal is reasonably high for a first time creator. Um, and so I sort of uh, fought, struggled with that. Um, should I maybe try and make a card game or something that's a bit more, uh, easy to fund as far as like what the ultimate funding goal is. But, um, I just, I just, uh, made the decision, I guess, to go all in and, uh, start with crumbs because I felt like it was the most, I guess, exciting maybe or accessible and fun and has that presence. Like you mentioned, um, it reminds yeah, me of I started, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it and, I know folk are going to look and go, yeah, but everything reminds you of Root at the moment, Richard. you got Root in the flipping brain. <laughs> but it's just the different coloured faction cards and the fact they've got slightly different skills and that you've got a board and you've got the cutest kind of meeples. We've not spoken about the meeples, but you get kind of animal-shaped meeples mm. and they're actually animal-shaped. And it is kind of like a little bit of area control and stuff like that. And I'm kind of thinking, hmm, there's a couple of similar... Obviously, it's its own game in its own right. But I can see people looking at this and going, hmm, this looks interesting. Maybe, you know, cursing themselves at the last kind of cute animal game that they didn't back turned out to be Root. So they're definitely getting mm -hmm. themselves involved in yeah. in kind of, kind of, kind of this one. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if that'll help or hurt. Actually, I was. I've heard quite a few comparisons to Root, and I totally see it. Yeah. I, I was uh, debating myself whether or not I should get Root. Um, totally unrelated to Crumbs, I didn't even make the connection until. <laughs> um, but I ultimately never got it, and haven't actually gotten the joy of playing it yet. Um, but um, I, I definitely see the commonalities. Um, but I think once you play it, like aesthetically, it like upfront, it, it sort of appears the same or similar just because it's little animals fighting. But I think once you play it, it, it plays very, very differently. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not drawing a direct comparison here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm no way am I saying like, this is, you know, this is like root. Um, I'm, uh, um, you know, I think from a, I think in a, in a good way. 
there's going to be little kind of lights going off in the back of people's heads to say, well, mm-hmm. mm, a little asymmetrical kind of area con- control game. And, you know, people seem to be liking that kind of thing, even though there's been kind of like war games about area control and stuff like that kind of kicking around for ages. I think a lot of people have been quite shocked how, how much they kind of uh, kind of enjoyed that. Um, with regards to the um, to the funding goal, you've obviously, you're going to have, well, not obviously, but stretch goals wise, being a first time creator, have you had to kind of think, um, well, maybe I'll... I'll just try and aim to get the game kind of created and I'll not worry too much totally. about stretch goals and if they happen, they kind of happen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's sort of something that helps and hurts because I think a lot of people have really drastically different opinions when it comes to that. Um, I think some people love to see stretch goals and they love to see deluxe editions and stuff like that on Kickstarter. Um and then other people are like, we just we just want to use Kickstarter to find and enjoy indie board games. Yeah, we don't we don't like all the fluff. Um, and I think for me, coming into this for the first time, just because there's so many different components to making a board game, getting it published, and running a Kickstarter, um, I didn't want to sort of add any add too many complications to it. It would be like yet another thing to keep track of. Yeah. Um, so I think my my ultimate goal is to just sort of get the game funded. I do have a few stretch goals, but I think they're ultimately pretty simple um, as far as like completing them if they were to be uh, if they were to be funded. Because I like um, quality of life stuff, kind of thicker card and stock and that kind of thing. Um, I think my very first stretch goal uh, is new art. Um, f- not entirely new art. Sorry, uh, new rulebook art. To because currently the rulebook art is sort of just the a slightly varied rulebook cover with um, different text on top. Uh, sorry, the is let me let me repeat that. Um, the, currently the rulebook cover is just the game box cover, but right. you know with some text switched out. So I think my very first stretch goal uh if i were to make 35 would be to get the game artist to uh make this uh, in my head it's it's just really beautiful like medieval painting sort of yeah um i'm not if if you're picturing with me but those like medieval glorious battle paintings of like cavalry running into other other armies of cavalry smashing into each other the bio um, the bio of... tapestry or something like that that kind of you all do what all day yeah, I think that would be super great, and I yeah. think that would be uh, super fun to make like a a, f- a full bleed rulebook cover. Um, yeah, and that's just and that that doesn't add any production cost to me. If I make you know, if I make that stretch goal, then I get to pay the artist to do the art, but it doesn't cost me any more to manufacture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been looking at kind of other similarly not too uh, extravagant stretch goals. Well, I mean, um, it certainly sounds it certainly sounds fun. I mean, it ticks a few boxes in terms of how striking it is. Definitely, um, if you were to give kind of like the and you've probably been doing this all weekend after being at Pax East, but if if you were to give us like the the one minute and thirty seven seconds kind of elevator pitch, um, 
what would that be? Crumbs is a super accessible, easy to teach, and pretty quick to play area control board game for two to four players where each player takes on the role of a chipmunk, a duck, a pigeon, or a squirrel, um, or rather an army of them, and uh, they're fighting over park spaces because Granny's just tossed in a bunch of breadcrumbs and they're they're trying to go get those and not let the other critters have them. What's the price of entry? How much does it cost to get in the door? How much is it going to cost um, to get the game? It costs $30 yeah. plus $10 shipping for those in the US, 17 okay. for those in the EU and UK. Okay, cool. Um, and then a whole plethora of other Rest uh, of world of options, other, basically. Yeah, rest of world options. There's a, I have a couple um, interesting higher tier pledge options. Um, they're they're very pricey and they're very limited. But um, one of them is a custom pet illustration. So the game artist will, if you you sub, you pledge for this goal, and once it's funded, you submit a picture of your pet, and the um, the game artist will illustrate that pet and that illustration that custom illustration will be printed and framed and sent along with the game to you that sounds pretty cool i like the idea yeah. of that oh. i like the idea yeah of that. i feel like i feel like if people like the way the game looks you know I, it's a good opportunity to get um some nice affordable custom art yeah and everybody likes getting a picture of their pet as well you know it's a it's a it's a kind of like it's a classic gift Mm-hmm. It's kind of and who it, knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe their pet will appear in the uh, in an expansion pack. <laughs> you, can, you can you never ever you ever never ever know. Um, if people have listened along and they want to keep an eye on yourselves, where can we find you on the interweb nets? Um, I'm on all the social medias, but. <laughs> Um, I would say I'm probably most active on uh, on Instagram, and that would be tidbit.games mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. And then I do, I do have just a website that you could sign up for a newsletter, um, and that's just tidbitgames.com. But yeah, I would say primarily Instagram is where I do the most updates. Okay. Cool. I mean, we'll um, we'll obviously take those links and we'll take the link to the Kickstarter campaign and we will put them in the show notes so that we have got um, notes to show. Um, If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the internet, search for We're Not Wizards um, and you'll find us on Facebook, you'll find us on Instagram as well, you'll find our website, which is wearenotwizards.com, um, you'll find our blog, which is wearenotwizards.blogspot.com. Don't go to Twitter, because Twitter's currently broken <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, I, did a thi- I did a thing and it's just wrecked my entire mentions, so just didn't give it a couple of days. Um <laughs> I don't even. I can't even talk about it. It's like, why? Why am I famous for this? 
and not mm-hmm. famous for not famous for what I want to be famous for, or well known, or infamous, or whatever. But um, if you like what you've listened to, you can get in contact with us. You can do what Dylan did, which is you can email us magic at we're not wizards dot com if you want to have a chat or if you want to find out about coming on the show. Um, if you want to support us, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, yeah, we have got a Patreon, but we don't really talk about it, and we but we are grateful for everybody who helps us with that. But there's a couple of things you can do. Tell other people. Um, let other people know that we exist. And the second thing is, if you go to your podcast catcher of choice and leave us a rating or a review, that would be fine and dandy as well. Um, or you can go to Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a subscription, you can drop us a rating, or you can drop us a review. Um, and as we say, if you are going to give us a rating or review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star, because it makes us cry. Give us five, because it's in the middle, and it's average, and it's and you know we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is rather wonderful, rather fantastic. He's a little bit crummy. <laughs> He's a little bit fancy. He's a little bit animally. It's uh, Mr. Dylan McCusker. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Um, there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards Dylan uh no absolutely not (laughs) and uh, there are things to say goodbye so it's a goodbye from Dylan say goodbye Dylan goodbye everyone and it's a goodbye from me remember stay safe Roll sixes and watch out for Granny when she's going into the park, especially if she's taking a bag with her because there might be some bread in there. And if she decides to be throwing that stuff in the air, there's going to be absolutely large amounts of carnage, um, which you can check out on Kickstarter just now. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.